Good morning and welcome to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn's premier home for student-run radio since 1971. As always, I am your host, Jack Hart, alongside my color man, Davis Carroll. We'd like to welcome in our listeners from across the Auburn and Opelika Megaplex and around the world, however you may be tuning in today, whether that be on your terrestrial radio antenna, through the information superhighway at wegglefm.com or tuning in after the fact on our podcast via your podcast player of choice. We are happy to have you here in the booth with us live for Auburn's only student-run drive time morning show from 8 to 9 this morning. And now, as always, we are broadcasting live from the Bradley-Bazden WEGL studios in the bowels of the Harold Melton Student Center, where our voices are broadcasted from atop the Haley Center to uh, the surrounding six-county area. We are on the campus of Auburn University, where it is a lovely 59 degrees, a little drizzly, mostly cloudy. It is a fine Thursday morning to be out and about. Indeed, welcome to Compact Discourse. We wish you a most sincere good morning as we get on with the show. Davis, how are you feeling about this Thursday morning? Nearly done with the week, first week of February. Feeling good. A lot to be excited about. Good start to the first week of February, I'd say. Pretty chill. Uh, I hope it doesn't start really coming down rain, though, because I would like concerts on campus to happen tonight. That would be ideal if we could get uh, concerts on campus rolling once again. Did you have a good good, good time last time? Yeah, it's, it's my Thursday tradition now. After work, I just kind of mose my way over to Langdon Hall, get in there at the end of the sound check, and chill out. It's nice. Yeah, and uh, barring weather, which you can stay updated on, the WGL social media platforms, uh, we go underscore AU. Concerts on campus is set to go once again tonight, but once again, we are tracking a pretty big storm development. There's a good chance it doesn't happen. Yeah, it's a, it's a push right now, but uh, let me tell you something that will happen. We got ladies basketball tonight against Mississippi State, so if concerts on campus does end up getting canceled at 7 p.m. tonight, you can go watch ladies basketball, who are returning home for the first time after their historic win over number four Tennessee last week. So they're having their first home game since that game. So Coach Jay is coaching against her former team, the Mississippi State Bulldogs. So if you would like to come support the ladies basketball team in the same fashion you support the men's team, that'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, we, we can get that environment really cooking. Coach Jay is building something really special here. So Get on the train early so you don't get left behind, is, is my advice to you. At this point, I would like to remind our audience that at any point in the next hour or so, you feel so inclined to ask a question, drop a hot take, or in the highly unlikely event that we get something wrong, if you need to correct us, you can do so by calling in at 334-844-9345. That is 334-844-WEGL. You can also shoot us a tweet at CDiscAU, probably more Likely to get to that one, I'm looking at the tweet deck right now, so it'll pop right up here. Um, You can also follow us on Twitter for a link to the podcast every single time we post one. We've also got some some funny things we talk about the show. If it needs some some visual aid, we'll be able to provide that on the Twitter as well, Uh, including but not limited to the monkeys that escaped uh, the the Pennsylvania truck. And I wonder how they're doing. Basketball goals are really big. They are. is what we learned. So that's what's going on over on the Twitter. So check that out if you feel so inclined. Uh, there's a lot going on there. It's a nice companion to the show, I'd say. Just follow along. Live tweet it, if you will. Mm. 
Interesting. All right, with that, we are going to jump right into things here. Um, I think we need to first address, there's a couple things going on. Uh, we had Auburn defeating Alabama in basketball mm-hmm. on, was it Tuesday night at yes, this point? it was. Man, that feels like a lifetime ago. So much going on. Auburn did defeat the uh, unranked Alabama men's basketball team, who we discussed ad nauseum on Tuesday morning. What a, a bizarre season they had, and the bizarre season continues as Auburn host plays poor host to uh, the Crimson Tide on the first day of February and hangs a century mark on the Crimson Tide. Uh, that is the first time Auburn has put up 100 since that game at South Carolina last year. I uh, can't even imagine when the, the first time they've done it in this rivalry is. Uh, the last time they did it was when Cliff Ellis was the coach and uh, Chris Portis was on the team. Mm. Chris Porter. Chris Porter. So upwards of, of 20, 23, 24 years ago, I'd say. Sounds had, right. Had to have been. Um, some other notable games from Tuesday. Kansas defeated Iowa State on the road 70-61. to Michigan State edged out Maryland 65-63. Texas Tech... Um, with a great atmosphere. You should go check out the videos of this one if you can. Texas Tech hosted Texas and defeated uh, the Longhorns 77-64. to Providence remains uh, almost unbeaten in conference play as they defeat St. John's 86-82. Creighton upsets UConn 59-55. And Tennessee defeats A&M. A&M now on a four-game losing skid 90-80. to and Ole Miss downed Will Wade's LSU Tigers 76-72. LSU with a very disappointing season so far. Davis, have you seen this video of uh, the swag surf in Lubbock, Texas? I've not. During the Texas Tech game? It's worth your time to check out. Texas Tech student section is like a third of the arena from from baseline to upper deck. So it's uh it's it's pretty it's pretty spectacular. Let's see. Texas Tech swag surf. I kind of forget Auburn doesn't have like a copyright on swag surf sometimes. Yeah, I mean, just my bad. Hey, volume okay. on. <laughs> a little, little, uh, little auditory aid. Um, games from last night that we can mention: uh, Purdue uh, continues their top five season. They oh, defeated, yeah, lit. They defeated Minnesota, eighty-eight to seventy-three. Kentucky uh, edges out Vanderbilt, seventy-seven to seventy. Houston, number six in the country, defeats Tulane, 73-62. A ranked Big Ten matchup, Illinois handedly defeats Wisconsin, 80-67. So a good season for the Illini now. They only have two conference losses. Marquette upsets Villanova, 83-73. So Marquette will move up in the poll. And Xavier, they defeat Butler by two, 68-66. And that's what's going on in the college basketball world. Um... Some notable games tonight. We have, if you'll remember, last week you had Arizona being the, um, Arizona and Auburn were the only teams that had not had yet to have a conference loss until Arizona went over to UCLA and got blown out by the Bruins. Um, let's see if UCLA can return that favor as uh, the Bruins head to Tucson tonight. It's number three UCLA versus number seven Arizona, that is tonight, tip-off at 7 p.m. Central Time, game of the night on a Thursday as the Pac-12 continues their bizarre scheduling. Um, For the Night Owls at 10 p.m. Central, you can watch USC versus Arizona State in Tempe, and you can watch Gonzaga 
play another Western Coast Conference opponent against San Diego. That's number two, Gonzaga versus San Diego at 8 p.m. Central Time. That's what's coming up in college basketball, um, so we look forward to that action. we got to head to a quick break, and when we return, we will recap some more events of the week, including the uh, team up in Washington has a new name, uh, Black History Month. We will continue to discuss notable figures from black history and a whole lot more. So continue to hang out with us on Compact Discord. We'll be with you till 9 a.m. I'm Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll. Tweet at us at CDiscAU if you got something to say or would like us to talk about any subject in particular. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with a little more of the show just after these messages. We'll be back in about two minutes. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, broadcasting from high atop the Haley Center or from WEGL.com across the information superhighway. I am Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll. I regret that Alex Houston is not here to join us today as we are discussing his beloved uh, football team from the city of Washington, D.C. Today we will be discussing that the Washington football team has officially unveiled new logos, uniforms, and a new name as they will be the Washington Commanders. So no longer hail to the Redskins or hail to the football team. It is now hail to the Commanders. Mm. That's right. Nearly 19 months after it retired its controversial nickname, the Washington football team unveiled its new moniker, logos, and uniform yesterday Morning. This is coming courtesy of SportsLogos.net, one of my favorite websites of all time. And uh, they have the sk- they have the skinny on what went down. Now known as the Commanders, Washington's primary logo is a stylized W in burgundy and gold, show- staying true to the colors that the franchise has generally used since its early days as the Boston Redskins. That logo can be seen on both sides of the anodized satin burgundy helmet, which has a burgundy face mask. And a single gold stripe down the middle. Interesting. Alex was here yesterday, you know, we didn't have the show while waiting. I could see how distraught he was about certain aspects, mm. one being how they don't have a mascot yet, even though it's been two years. At one point, he laid his head down after seeing something on his phone. So if you were here right now, I'm sure we'd have a tirade going. Yeah, I think you'd have some choice words for that it took 19 months to come up with a name that was already used by an AAF team. Hey, Joe Biden sent a thing out. There's, there's a lot to be two commanders now. That is that is very that is very cute. He, he, had the, he had his little puppy on the lawn. His dog's pretty cool. The back of the uniform features Washington's new secondary logo, which prom- prominently dis- displays the commander's word mark, surrounded by 1932 for the year that the franchise was founded, three stars, and the primary team's logo inside a soccer-style roundel. The secondary mm. logo is complete with Washington football and the seasons that ended with the franchise winning the league title written around the outside. It sits directly above the player's nameplate, which is gold. Interesting. They also, uh, of note, are the first team to break out an alternate helmet since the NFL has relaxed the one-helmet rule. I'm glad. So they have they have the helmet with... Uh, 
the W on either side and the single stripe. But they also have, get this, they have a second helmet that has the W on the front right above um, the face mask, and it has, the, it has like block numbers on the side. From what I can see over here, it doesn't look, I'm not a big fan. I mean, I don't like it either. Like, I don't really like this, the one with the black uniform when their colors don't really feature black. But it's nice to see that. It's like a Steelers uniform. It does. Uh, it's nice to see that the, the one helmet rule is finally gone. And it's just proof of this. They're still relying to everything. Mm-hmm. And that's the one for that we, we bad take, uniform. Take solace that uh, the one the one helmet rule is dead and buried. So hopefully, maybe uh, to celebrate their Super Bowl victory, the Bengals can can wear, wear a white helmet. Mm, interesting. Did you see Tim the Tapman chose the Rams to win it? If you don't know, Tim the Tapman is a Twitch streamer who's lost seven of his last seven picks. Okay. So. There maybe is a curse around him. Could be. He chose the Rams. That's when, when, un- do, when does a curse become a curse? As a former dialogue we had. Seven, seven, uh, seven straight. Keep that one in mind when you're betting, folks. But don't. Uh, I didn't tell you to. No, not at all. Yeah. All right, and then uh, and some other uniform news. The Cincinnati Bengals have chosen. Uh, is uh, it's an even year, so the Bengals are the home team in the. Super Bowl, because they're from the AFC, so they get to choose which uniforms they would like to wear first, and they have chosen uh, the black shirts and white pants. Mm. So Thoughts? Um, it's pretty... I don't, I'm not in love with their current set, but it's probably the best option they had, um, considering they probably wouldn't wear the orange pants with a white shirt, so... I like it better than black pants with a black shirt, so... Fair. Best option available. Orange pants, black shirt? Mm... It's a little much. Okay. It's Fair. a little much. Understandable. Like, only if you're, like, playing the Browns in October, I think. Okay. 10-4. I got you. Or, uh, like, a night game. On Halloween. Thursday night. Yeah. Something like that. that that's when you, you bring out your too-much uniform. All right. And then they, uh, so that's what they're wearing. So that, that w- they got first choice. And then the Rams answered back with the white shirts, like, the throw. You know, they have, like, the, the off-white normal shirts they wear mm-hmm. they also have like the the icy white throwback greatest show on turf shirts that they can also wear so they're wearing the white ones that have the blue and yellow on the shoulder cap and the yellow or sole pants you know they have to have like weird names for all the colors so they're not just called the yellow pants <laughs> so they're wearing their sole pants and if you don't know what those are they're the yellow pants interesting so it will be blue helmets white shirts and yellow pants i I think it's a solid fit yeah i think that's probably like the rams best look if you ask me classic i'm glad they got away from the st louis rams fits days Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm navy and gold and then so they're they will be wearing uh let's see cooper cup is wearing the super bowl patch on his right shoulder and Joe Burrow is wearing the Super Bowl patch on his left shoulder. So I think that's what a uh, an interesting distinction to make. Interesting. Hmm. Maybe Curious. it's depending on what handedness they are. Uh, I not, think it, I know it's not. I think saying. it's team wide. Eh. Eh. Oh, it's because it's because the Rams have Rams on the right shoulder on the left shoulder of their uniform. They couldn't put it there. Oh. Mm. Well, not as interesting as I thought. This will mark the second time the Bengals have worn black jerseys with white pants and orange socks in the Super Bowl, joining their loss to the 49ers in Super Bowl 16. This uniform is complete with the Super Bowl 56 patch on Cincinnati's left shoulder. 
Neat. Awesome. Rams are 1-2 in Super Bowls wearing white jerseys, including a loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers and a win over the Titans and a loss to the Patriots. Unlike Cincinnati, Los Angeles has placed the Super Bowl patch on the right shoulder, opposite of the aforementioned Rams patch on the left shoulder that forced the team to move its captaincy patch to the left shoulder as well. Lots of patch talk this morning. I, oh my goodness! Sorry, I never knew we'd be. Uh, if uh, if I had known, I would have gotten in here earlier. That's right. Yeah, we started preparing. Yeah, a little patch material. Um, so that's what's going on. Uh, what are you excited for most about the Super Bowl? I know it's it's uh it's ten days away at this point. Seeing Joe Burrow. Seeing Joe Burrow. That's what I'm rooting for. And Jamar, I like Jamar Chase a lot too. Okay. I wouldn't mind Matt Stafford winning, but I'm rooting for the Bengals. Who day? And Joe Burrow. It's pretty historic. Like, the Bengals, they haven't won one, right? No. I don't, they, the last time they went to one was in, like, the 80s. Yeah, that's when they lost to, like, to the Niners and that quarterback they had that I know Steve the name Steve Young of. or Joe Montana? Joe Montana. There you go. And it was Boomer Esiason. Lefty. So, I mean, it, I mean, in my lifetime, not even in my lifetime, in my college career, I will have the opportunity to see two teams win the Super Bowl for the first time. First being the the Philadelphia Eagles. That's true. The Eagles was a great game. I hope this one lives up to it. Two good offenses, so I would hope so. I hope. But one good defense. Bengals isn't as good. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Yeah, that, that pass rush. I'm, I'm really... worried for Joe Burrow with yeah, Aaron Donald. I mean, yeah. Down at that him. pass rush really shut down Tom Brady, which worries me. That's true. But I don't know. He, he managed to come back. The Bengals it. pass rush got Pat Mahomes near the end. Who knows? All right. Are you excited for the halftime show? Uh, Partially. <laughs> I'll say that. Partially. I think they threw too many people in it. I think they're trying to cater to too many people with all their people. But I guess we'll see. It'll be interesting. I think it'll be – I'll be excited to see Kendrick perform again for the first time in a while. I saw – yeah, it was. it's like mostly – People who were popular in the 90s yes. and Kendrick. Yeah, they just so. threw Kendrick in for like all, our generation – they threw Eminem for all the all the Eminem, Dre, Dre Snoop. Is that is that anybody else? Mary J. Blige. Oh, yeah. Mary J. Blige, good. Uh, and Mary J. Blige for her, all the older fans. Yeah, for all the all the demographics have been covered, so and, like, except the country fans. I'm sure they. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't throw in like Morgan Wallen or something. Yeah, <laughs> Luke Combs. My goodness, what a, what a what a cavalcade of characters that would be. <laughs> that would be. I don't. I think I'd probably just leave the room when the halftime show came on for that. Oof. That'd be tough. All right, well, we are looking forward to the Super Bowl, or I guess the big game is what we have to call it now, um, which is coming up in just a few short days, um, so it won't be long now. And it's going to be a good game, I hope, as uh, we uh, are moving along with the formalities. And as we mentioned, the, the Bengals and the Rams have selected their uniforms. And that's, that's the first step. So everything else is just secondary to what, what, what already transpired. And with that, we're going to head to a quick break. When we return, the excitement continues. You can call in at 334-844-9345, or you can tweet at us at cdiscau. If you have something to say to us, we would love to hear from you. So keep it right here on WEGL. FM. We shall return in a few minutes with the rest of the show. I'm Jack Hart, joined alongside 
Davis Carroll. We've got the Secret 830 song coming up, so don't go anywhere if you're listening to us on the radio or the web live stream. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll, coming yeah. at you live from the WEGL studios here in Auburn, Alabama. Your weather right now, it is 62 degrees and cloudy. It's going to get up to 69 degrees today. It will get back down to 49 degrees tonight. We are expecting rain at about 9.15 this morning, light to moderate, and then later on this afternoon at about 3.30, we're expecting a more heavy downpour. Big system moving across the southeast. Right now it's around the Mississippi River Delta, but it will be making its way over pretty soon here. So we got thunderstorms this evening, 91% chance of, if you please. Sun is going to set at 5.17 p.m. tonight. It will be an overnight temp of about 50 degrees. Winds 13 miles per hour blowing north. As Actually, I was riding my bike here this morning, and the wind was blowing so hard at, at, at my face. It was like I wasn't even moving at all. I was like those birds that get stuck in the air. You ever <laughs> seen one of those? I, yeah, I actually saw a video the other day of a plane that got stuck like in the air because the headwind was so strong. Terrifying. What do you do in that case? Turn up the engine? I guess you just, just just wait for the wind to turn you around. Just have to wait it, cause yeah, you can't. T- it seems dangerous to turn out of. Well, I guess this is why we're not aviation majors. That's right. If or you're birds. an aviation major, call in. Or if you're a bird, if you're a bird. Call in. Tell us. Tell us what you do you. if a strong headwind's hitting you. Not if you're like a penguin, though. I'd like to hear what they have to say. Fair enough. All right, we got uh coming up for this weekend. Plan accordingly for the weekend. We've got. More rain coming tomorrow. will be 54 degrees with a 70% chance of showers. No thunderstorms, though. It will be a low of 29, so potential to dip below freezing. On Saturday, it will be 50 degrees and sunny, though, so a relatively nice day. After this rainy uh, start to your weekend, and then on Sunday, will be 55 degrees and partly cloudy. So a relatively nice weekend after the rain tonight and tomorrow, and that is what's going on. In your War Eagle weather update, did you see um, they were playing a soccer game last night in Minnesota, and it was like zero degrees outside, zero degrees Celsius? I did not see that. Maybe it was zero degrees Fahrenheit. Let me look into this. That's that's a big difference right there. It is, which is why I'm I'm checking. <laughs> why were they playing? Uh, I wouldn't have played that, but I guess I'm not from Minnesota. I don't know if it was not a maniac. Um, okay, it was USA versus Honduras. I remember that. <gasps> USA versus Honduras. Any thoughts? USA wins 3 nothing. Cool. Um, that's, let's see. Uh, Anything yet? I'm trying to see how outside this game was. Mm-hmm. Zero degrees Celsius and zero degrees Fahrenheit. That's like 30 degrees difference. 30 degrees Fahrenheit difference because a, a degree Fahrenheit is different than a degree Celsius, sadly. Yes. Should America swap to Celsius or stay Fahrenheit? I've seen I've seen a lot of discourse that Europeans like Fahrenheit more. 
but that could just be the videos I'm getting. I mean, that's like... Because it represents the temperature better to some people. Yeah, like Celsius is like asking water what temperature it is. Yes. Fahrenheit's like asking people what temperature I it is. I like that more. I guess Scientifically, I understand like Celsius and Kelvin, but like mm-hmm. I think... I'm, I mean, I've grown up with Fahrenheit, so that's the only thing I really know. But I think... I feel like meters, like the... Me- is it metric or imperial? Where meters is. Meters would be metric. I think metric seems pretty useful. I don't know. I think it all has its time and place. It does. That's fair. All right. Eight inches, centimeters. CBS Sports is reporting that it was historically cold last night. Honduras players being taken out due to the extreme cold showed the dangers of playing in these conditions. Bearhalter was asked about it after the game, which was the coldest World Cup qualifier ever played in the United States. Mm. We provided their staff and referees with warm weather gear and trying to make it a safe environment for them to play when we go down to those countries and it's 90 degrees and 90% dew point, it's unbearable humidity, and guys are getting dehydrated and cramping up and getting heat exhaustion. You know, it's the nature of competition. When we schedule this game in this location, you have to go by average temperatures, daily average temperatures, and this was the best guess. We wanted to minimize travel. We knew we were going to be playing cold weather in two of the games, but we figured we'd do it in the third game too. Man, very long-winded guy. <laughs> While it is tough to ensure that games are played in perfect conditions, there is a difference between the match being cold like it was in Hamilton, Ontario, on Sunday, and sub-zero, like Wednesday's match. CONCACAF has a wide range of climates which cause unique issues for teams around the region, but the United States has the most venues in the region to utilize climate to their advantage. U.S. soccer did provide head coverings and heated benches to Honduras, but the opponents weren't as well prepared as the United States national team, which was outfitted by the Minnesota Vikings. Mm. Weird. This was Milltown Mel's last hurrah, sitting at sub-zero before he passed away. (laughs) Wow. Man, uh, yeah, I'm t- um, unbelievable. Three nothing USA defeat Honduras, which Seems like I'm surprised it wasn't more considering how miserable it sounds like it was out there. You think the groundhog saw that coming? I don't think the groundhog could have accounted for any of this. Why do you have to choose six more weeks of winter? I don't. He didn't choose it. It happened. Okay, I I was thinking about this this Does morning. The groundhog have agency. I think it does. I feel like Milltown Mel had a good life. I don't know. Puxatani Phil's still kicking, though, so we'll have to ask him. I this I, I learned both those names like two days ago, so I'm going to have to What's the other them. one's name? Millhouse? Milltown Mel. Oh. He's the one that died the day before Groundhog Day. Okay. And Puxatani Phil's the really famous one? Yes. He's he's ancient, but how, there's a lot of how them. How long do Groundhogs live? It's, 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 not, just, it's like James Bond where the name not, passes on? It's not the same one, Davis. Okay. It's like Ugga. <laughs> That's why I wasn't sure. Okay, okay. How accurate are the Groundhog's predictions? I like, think all like time? less than if they were just guessing. I feel like somehow it's even worse than if it was just guessing. <laughs> awesome. Interesting. The game was outside. No roof. It wasn't inside mm-hmm. the U.S. bank field. If it was inside, do you think they'd, like, turn on the heat? How, what do you think the power bill would be then? I don't know, but, like, they do that for Vikings games when it's cold. They do? I mean, they have to. We gotta get if you work for the Vikings or your bird that's strong why, headwind. That, that's call the whole us. reason they play inside. I just feel I just thought it was so the wind doesn't hit them. I guess, but that like would make sense. Like how big of a heater do you need to heat up the entire stadium? I feel like it's probably not warm in there. I don't know. I feel like when I talked to the lady at the Texas Rangers stadium, she said that they keep it they keep it cold or air conditioned. 24 hours a day during the summer because it takes too long to uh, – it takes too much energy to 
pump all the heat in and out, if that makes sense. Like it, it, it's more cost effective and energy efficient to just keep the building climate controlled at all hours of the day, no matter if there's a game or not, rather than trying to manage uh, however many hours in advance. It says they leave it at 70 degrees. Quite comfortable. I, I wouldn't mind 70, but I don't know, because then they have this heater thing. Speaking of birds, did you see when, when U.S. Bank Field first opened, all the birds that would crash into it? Because it was basically just a big glass wall in the middle of Minnesota on have, a river. Have they, have they rectified that yet? I don't know if they can. I think it's like up to the birds to learn. I don't, I don't know if you can trust I feel like... You gotta take steps so the birds that doesn't they don't have to learn. At some point, the birds need to figure it out. I don't think maybe they, they can. They're see not the, gonna evolve into figuring out that mirrors and glass. Maybe they'll see the pile of birds on the ground and avoid that area. Are birds that smart? Some of them are. Birds can be smart. Crows are pretty smart. Crow or is it ravens? Ravens are smart. They're both. They're both corvids. Corvids. Good old the corvid conspiracy. Yeah, that's what they're up to. What are they doing? They're trying. They're trying. They're trying to kill all the other birds by making them fly into the bank, U.S. Bank Stadium. All right. I've go. honestly never seen a bird fly into a window. All right. This is from the Cornell Lab, okay. whose logo is a bird, so I trust them. A new study may help Minnesota Vikings Stadium reduce bird collisions. The U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis kills more than 100 birds each year. I, would ex- I thought it would be more making the field, home field of the Minnesota Vikings one of the city's most dangerous buildings for bird collisions, according to PLOS. One study funded by the Minnesota Vikings and the Minnesota Sports Facilities Authority. Total glass area and the presence of nearby vegetation contributed most to bird collisions at the stadium, says study co-author Scott R. Loss, an ecology professor at Oklahoma State University. An accompanying report by the study's researchers and the Audubon, Minnesota, recommended changes to the stadium that might reduce bird deaths. Okay. Okay. What are they going to change? They're going to have, like, bird speakers play, tell them not to fly there? Well, this this article goes nowhere because it doesn't say anything about it. Maybe it's it's classified. At the stadium, most uh, collisions occurred on the large facade of glass. The report made several recommendations. Treat the glass with films or markers to help birds see it. Prioritize glass treatments where trees and other vegetation are reflected and monitor weather and migration forecasts and reduce lighting at night during key, key migration periods. Interesting. I guess I guess that makes sense. Cool. They're taking the report very seriously and looking for various options to uh, avoid the 75 bird carcasses piling up every year. You know, I, I think I'm, I agree with you. Why can't birds just be like, I've realized that's not... It's fly, fly, able to be flown through. At some point, it's the burden of proof. The burden of proof. If oh, you will. yeah. This is what go. Darwin was talking about. Survival of the fittest. But I'm trying to see a colorful bird. Boom. There it is. Go to U.S. Bank Stadium, JP. You might be able to. You might be able to see a colorful bird on the ground. <laughs> yeah. No promises on their their condition. All right. We'll be right back with some more of the show. Final 15 minutes. Keep it right here on. WEGL 91.1 FM. If you're a bird, once again, please tweet at us at CDiscAU. We'd love to hear your input as we've had a lot of bird chat today. With that, we'll be back in about two minutes with the finale of the show. Don't go anywhere. Compact Discourse will return in just a few minutes. We'll be out of here at 9 a.m. though. So enjoy your morning commute and the rest of your day.
Twitch. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Carr, joined alongside Davis Carroll. Hanging out with you on a Thursday morning. It is the week finale of Compact Discourse. We shall return Monday morning at 8 a.m. for another exciting week of shows. But this is our final 10 minutes with you for this week. So we will hope to make it good. Um, And speaking of that, we're going to jump right back into our continuing uh, coverage of Black History Month as it is February uh, Black History Month, uh, indeed. So we will be highlighting a different notable person from black history every single episode in February. And today we are going to be talking about the one and only Thurgood Marshall. Mm. Thurgood Marshall was born in 1908. He was a lawyer, civil rights activist, and an associate justice of the United States Supreme Court from 1967 to 1991. He was the Supreme Court's first African-American member as an attorney, he successfully argued before the court on the case of Brown v. Board of Education, which I hope you've heard of, and that, of course, declared unconstitutional racial segregation within American public schools. After being rejected by the University of Maryland Law School because he was not white, Marshall attended Howard University Law School, where he received his degree in 1933, ranking first in his class. At Howard, he was the protege of Charles Hamilton Houston, who encouraged Marshall and other law students to view the law as a vehicle for social change. Upon his graduation, Marshall began the private practice of law in Baltimore. Among his first legal victories was Murray v. Pearson, accusing the University of Maryland of violating the 14th Amendment's guarantee of equal protection of the laws by denying an African-American applicant admission to its law school solely because of basis of race, much like he had uh, been subject to in his time. In 1936, Marshall became a staff lawyer under Houston for the NAACP, and in 1938, he became lead chair in the legal office of the NAACP, and two years later, he was named chief of the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. Um, He argued on some other important cases, including Shelley versus Kramer in 1948, uh, separate but equal facilities for African-American professionals and grad students in state universities in Sweat v. Painter and McLaurin versus Oklahoma State. And, but it was without a doubt Marshall's victory before the Supreme Court and Brown v. Board that established his reputation as a formidable and creative legal opponent and advocate of social change. In 1961, Marshall was nominated to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit by President JFK, But opposition from Southern senators delayed his confirmation for several months. President Lyndon Baines Johnson named Marshall U.S. Solicitor General in July 1965 and nominated him to the Supreme Court in 1967. It was confirmed 69 to 11 by the U.S. Senate on August 30th, 1967. So that is how Thurgood Marshall became, went from getting rejected from law school to becoming the first African-American member of the Supreme Court in 1967. Where he served all the way till 1991. He retired. He was one of the he he retired two years before he died. Mm-hmm. He by said the, he was getting too old. By the time he retired in 1991, he was known as the Great Dissenter, mm-hmm. one of the last remaining liberal members of the Supreme Court, dominated by a conservative majority. Did you know that Brown v. Board of Education was actually a combination of five different cases? I did not. I assumed. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. It was a pretty high-profile case. I don't see like. The Board of Education of Topeka getting yanked all the way up to the Supreme Court without someone getting pulled along with it. It was them, 
Briggs v. Elliott from South Carolina, Davis v. County School Board of Prince Edward County in Virginia, Gebhardt v. Velton in Delaware, and Bowling v. Sharp in Washington, D.C. All combined for, I'd say, I mean, I think that's like everybody says, like probably the biggest court case in the last 100 years for for America. Like, yeah, that didn't, the one we're stuck, we stuck with. Yes. It's yes. not like, like Plessy v. Ferguson. That's in, notable for other reasons. Yes. That Brown v. Ward overturned. There you go. Boom. So, uh, yeah, we have Thurgood Marshall in part to thank for that, along with uh, other members of the NDAACP who helped out with that. The Thurgood Marshall movie is really good if you haven't seen it. Is that the one with James Earl Jones? Mm, that's the one with Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman. Okay, I think there's a there's a stage play with James Earl Jones. I could see that. I, bet Jan- I could see James Earl Jones playing a good Thurgood. That's right. He did great as um, Martin Luther King's dad. Oh, yeah, he did, and our, our, our friend Martin. Great, great film. Quick quick cameo in there. He told Martin to be chill. And then what were the kids' names? Man. Billy. <laughs> Billy was one of them. Is that true? I think it was. That that movie escaped my mind just as quickly <laughs> as it entered it, sadly. Our friend Martin. Um, all right, we are going to continue our coverage of... It was Randy. Randy. My bad. Great name. I don't know what the kid's name was, though. Well, if you haven't seen our friend Martin, it's uh, it's it's definitely worth your time. I feel like like they have, they just forgot about it. I think everyone, if like you are, we, I saw it and I forgot it existed until I think you just randomly mentioned if it. If you are between the ages of fifteen and twenty-five, I would put some, and you grew up in the American public school system, I would put some great, great odds on you seeing the uh, the short film Our Friend Martin. Produced, Miles Miles Woodman, produced by uh, he was a Hank Aaron fan. He was. And then Randy, oh, I don't remember the kid's line. I almost said Travis. <laughs> Randy Travis. Man, Randy Travis. Randy Smith with his friend. I think overall it's a pretty, pretty, pretty good educational movie. I think it's a pretty, like, good foray into a really serious subject for kids. Yeah. Gets you interested, lets you learn more by yourself. It doesn't, doesn't make it too serious, but it does give you some serious in there. That's true. I would say so. And then they, the one part that really stuck with me is how they were like, they were drawing them into the news footage. Yeah. That's the one part that sticks in my mind. Spoiler alert, there's a little bit of time travel. Yes. And the, the children do do visit some pretty serious You just see them in, in like the background. History. It's crazy. It is bizarre. All right, we'll end the show how we always do with a little bit of news um, as the Russia-Ukraine crisis continues to unfold, just keeping you informed. Uh, coming courtesy of NBC News, this article is called A Global Flashpoint, but All Quiet on the Eastern Ukraine's Frozen Front Lines. One played with puppies, a Kalashnikov rifle around her neck. Others honed their shooting at a dummy affixed with Vladimir Putin's face. Some were simply taking a nap. In the snow-covered trenches near the village of Zolote in eastern Ukraine, the soldiers were bored but on guard. For the best part of eight years, they have been fighting pro-Russian separatists at the border of, sh- of the self-proclaimed Luhansk, People's Republic. Their opponents are separated, separatists supported by Russia since 2014 when Moscow annexed Ukraine's Crimea and backed breakaway forces in Luhansk and neighboring Donetsk. The violence has killed some 14,000 people since then, according to the UN. Conflict is nothing new to them, and there's a little sign of the panic engulfing the West about Russia amassing more than 100,000 troops and building up military hardware on Ukraine's borders. We know they have a bigger army, but we are all prepared. One of the soldiers uh, told NBC News, we have been preparing for this war for eight years. 
he added that he was not intimidated by the Russian military. So, I don't know, this kind of smacks of, of some other conflicts in the past where you just build up troops. Maybe they're going to get a bear? Was that, oh, that was Poland. Yeah, but, but Russia adjacent. I feel like I feel like a bear could make an appearance on the scene. Get a get a ammo carrying bear. Vo- Voitech? Is that his name? I know how to spell it. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm putting money on Voitech. W O J T T E K. Oh yeah. There is that him? Oh yeah. That's so him. cute. Does he give you the pronunciation by no, chance? No, it doesn't. I mean, it, it's, it gives you in like those weird upside down letters. Okay, I don't, I don't think anybody <laughs> can reasonably like decipher. Like they can be really be like, oh, it's, oh, it's Voitech. If you're like a like a cunning linguist, I'm sure you. I could. guess, but why don't they just go like Voitech? I know is I I'm positive that's how it's pronounced. Okay, I'll put money on Voitech, like with a V. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to look it up and how do you, how to pronounce. W O J T E K, W O J T E K. Okay, I'll hear it. Um, if you guys don't know, Wojtek was a Syrian brown bear who was bought as a young cub at a railway station in Iran by the Polish Corps, who had been uh, evacuated from the Soviet Union in order to provide, uh, in order to provide rations for his transportation. He was eventually enlisted as a soldier with the rank of private and subsequently promoted to corporal. So the Polish soldiers just bought this bear and couldn't afford to feed it, and the only way they could afford to feed it was to make it a soldier, question mark? He served. He car- he would carry ammunition for the really big, like, the giant okay, ammunition they couldn't carry by themselves. I don't think he actually did that. He did. I'm telling you, he did. Did it look like this? Yeah. I don't think so. He is pronounced Wojtek. That, like, that is how he, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Yeah. He also smokes cigarettes. Well, if this isn't just the coolest bear around. <laughs> it is. All right. Well, maybe this is the secret to the uh, conflict in the in the Ukraine. I, the thing is, though, some of these pictures look photoshopped, but I know they're real. There's a lot of mystery. That, okay, this this, is, this this one has to be fake. Look at this. Ain't no way that bear posed with him. Man, yeah. what? That doesn't even look like Wojtek. Go to the next one. The next one also looks fake. Corporal Wojtek. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about this one. Wojtek's like skinny. He's a little skinny bear. Would he win Fat Bear Week? No, absolutely not. Mm. He's got to stay trim. I think the fact that he carried ammunition. I got my phone. I think the fact that he was carrying ammunition. I believe he did. I think that should put him up in the ranks of Fat Bear Week. But I mean, it's not useful Bear Week. It's Fat Bear Week. Look at who he is drinking. Maybe that maybe that qualifies him for Fat Bear Week. Oh, this one's fake. That's fair. That's funny. All right, uh, I'm gonna put a picture of of, of Wojtek on the W uh, on the C Disc AU Twitter. If you would like to, uh, I don't know, weigh in whether or not you think it's real. Did it actually happen, or is it just a an old Polish wives' tale? Po- like, Wojtek was real. It's just what he did. Yes. Was he hanging out in that motorcycle with that guy? With that, we're gonna conclude today's show. Thank you so much for listening to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. However you joined us today, whether that be from your radio antenna, from WeGoFM.com, or by listening to our podcast, we would like to remind you that all of our previous episodes are available as a podcast, absolutely PSA break free. 
wherever your podcasts are heard on your podcast player of choice. Just search for Compact Discourse. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CDISKAU. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U. For links to the podcast, important information about the show, and updates, including pictures from the show. You can also tweet at us to get your voice on the show. Join the conversation. We are Auburn's only student-run Drive Time Morning Show. You can also follow WEGL on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU for updates on events, including whether or not concerts on campus will be happening tonight. And with that, for Jack Hart and Davis Carroll, as well as Alex Houston and Grayson Moyer, who joined us earlier in the week, this has been another exciting episode of Compact Discourse. We wish you a great weekend. We will talk to you Monday morning on the next episode of Compact Discourse at 8 a.m. As always, this is Jack Hart signing off and War Eagle.